Gary. <clears throat> Thank you, praise team. Thank you for being here this morning. We're going to talk about strong marriages today. And before we get into that, I want to tell you about a man. He lost his credit card, and after he noticed it, he decided not to report it when he noticed that the thief was spending less than his wife. <laughs> uh, I like to have a little bit of fun when I talk about marriages, but I uh, have a seriousness about marriages. I know that it honors God for us as a church to have strong marriages. And we've been talking about building blocks. We want to love God. We want to love others. We want to make disciples. We want to be steadfast in prayer. We want to be shaped by the scriptures. And we'll finish up this morning just talking about having strong marriages. And uh, so I'm in Ephesians chapter 5. And we're going to look at verses 31 through 32. And uh, I have a whole lot of introduction material, but I've got a lot I want to cover today. And so let's just jump into the, the text. I invite you to stand, and uh, we'll see what God says about marriages. Verse 31, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother, hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Father, will you teach us today from your word, your design for marriages, and would you give us help and strength and grace to, for the men to be godly husbands, for the wives to be godly wives, uh, for the young people to, to prepare themselves to be godly husbands and wives. And I pray your spirit would work. Uh, I, I know your word is sharp sometimes. I, I pray that it'll have its full effect this morning. Uh, Lord, for those that are lost, I pray that you would show them how much you love them. And you might save some this morning. And we pray your spirit would make us look more like Jesus as we look to your word. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I want to just jump right in there. You have an outline on the back of your bulletin. But the first point is that marriage is grounded in the gospel. Marriage is grounded in the gospel. Now, Ephesians 5, we often look to that passage and we see responsibilities for the wife and responsibilities for the husband uh, within the marriage relationship. And then we come down to verse 32 and, and Paul says that this is a mystery. This mystery is profound. And I'm saying it refers to Christ and the church. And so we think about the biblical purposes of marriage and there are several of those. Uh, one of them is companionship. And God said, uh, it's not good for Adam to be alone. I'm going to make him a helpmate. I'm going to make Eve for him. And so from his side, we know that he fashioned Eve and brought her to Adam, and uh, he approved, I think. Uh, we also know that marriage brings uh, fruitfulness or procreation. Uh, God said, be fruitful and multiply and, and fill the earth. And, and so we could list out several benefits of marriage. We might think about them from a, from a different view and say, well, uh, man and woman, they could have been companions, and they could have been fruitful apart from marriage. And so why did God institute marriage anyway? And one of the primary reasons is that marriage is a picture of Christ and the church. Uh, church, this is a magnificent, profound uh, mystery of God, plan of God. It was hidden in the past, and now it's been revealed to us. And so this morning, as we consider how the church can support strong marriages... Uh, I want us to see that the relationship between Christ and the church, it, that's the standard at which we're aiming. And that's a high standard. I want to make this statement, Christ's love for, the, for His bride, which is the church, that's us. Christ's love for His bride is our motive for our love in marriage. 
Christ's love for us is our motive for love in our marriage. Now you think about this. As important as marriage is to our society, and we know it's very important, Paul tells us that marriage, the marriage relationship was designed and intended to point beyond itself to point to the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, verse 31, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother, hold fast to his wife, the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Now just reading that, that sounds a little bit radical. The Apostle Paul is writing this to the church in Ephesus. He is inspired by the Holy Spirit, and he is revealing something to us that I think takes our understanding of marriage to a, a whole different level. The institution of marriage was designed to portray the relationship between Jesus Christ and his bride, the church. And if that's the case, then husbands, we are to lead and love and serve our wives because that's how Christ gave himself for us. And wives, you're to respect and submit and, and, and be a help to your husband because that is how the bride is to follow our Lord Jesus. That's marriage God's way. And listen, when our marriage is in accordance with God's plan, the watching world sees the gospel on display. Now, we talk about sharing the gospel verbally, and, and I hope we all can, especially if you're a believer. I hope you understand that you're a sinner, you're separated from God in your sin, that Jesus came from heaven and came as a man, that he lived a sinless life, that he went to the cross, and on the cross he took upon himself our sin, paid the penalty for our sin, he died, was buried, was raised again. Victory. He achieved victory over sin and death and hell. And he provides a way for us to be saved. We turn from our sins. We believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's, that's the gospel. And so it's so important that we're able to verbally share the gospel. But we're also able to display the gospel through marriage. And so when I see a, a lady sitting beside her husband day after day, I, uh, I, I see the gospel on display. When I see a man caring for his ailing wife, I see the gospel on display. And you say, how so? Well, through that, we see the selfless, sacrificial love of Jesus. That's the kind of love that he had for us, and we can see it on display. And so, yes, we want to share the gospel with our lips, but we want to go beyond that and display the gospel through our marriages. And listen, when we have a marriage according to God's plan, it brings glory to God, and it points people to Jesus. Now, we don't think about that very often, but that's really what Paul's saying here. And let me make this statement. Uh, marriage is hard. Somebody might have should have said amen to that. Amen. Usually the people that don't think marriage is hard are the people that's not married. Uh, because now my wife is in the first session, so I, I can uh, have a little more freedom this time. But uh, <laughs> sometimes, even as Christians, we want to throw in the towel. We, we think it's too hard. But let me just remind us this morning that when we give ourselves to loving our spouses, even when they're unlovable, even when they don't deserve it, even when they've hurt us, we bring glory to our great God. When we give ourselves to loving our spouse, even when it's hard, we bring glory to God. You ever think about how unlovable we are? We're sinners. He is a completely holy God. He is separated. He hates sin. 
and yet he would turn his affections towards us. I, I think about just, you know, we, we commit spiritual adultery. Some of you are saying, well, listen here. No, I mean, when we pursue the things of this world more than, than Jesus, that's spiritual adultery. When my affections are strong for things of this world, I mean, the Bible says love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. When you're pursuing other things, that's in a sense commit spiritual adultery, and yet he is ever faithful. His love is unconditional and forever. And so I, I just want to kind of you to reflect on this uh, as a husband or wife. How has your actions or affections this week uh, displayed the gospel or displayed the love of Christ for his bride? How has my actions or affections this week towards my spouse reflected the love of Christ for his bride? And I, I thought earlier, I was like, we could just go ahead and have an invitation, and we'd probably all have to feel it. Because we don't always reflect the love of Christ towards our spouse, do we? And so not only is marriage grounded in the gospel, but secondly, marriage was established by God. Listen, marriage was the ideal, the plan of an all-wise Loving, perfect God. Uh, do you realize that marriage was established for your good? Yeah, most of you are familiar with Genesis 2.18. The Lord said that it's not good for the man to be alone. And a couple weeks ago, I, my wife was gone to Florida. I, I, it wasn't good. God said it wasn't good for a man to be alone. I'll create, I'll make a, help fit, a helper fit for him. And so he created the woman. God didn't create us to, to be alone. And if you've lost your spouse, you know it's not good. And I, I regularly visit widows and widowers, and they, they, they're, all, they're always reminded of their spouse. They think about them every day. They think about them throughout the day. I met uh, Harold, Harold this week, and he, he went and got me a picture of, his, uh, of Bobby, and he wanted to show me his, his... They're always thinking about their spouse. They, they miss them. Listen, God gave us marriage so we'd have a partner and a helpmate in life. And we know that marriage is, is, is a foundation for families and having children. And uh, we know God said be fruitful and multiply. And, and uh, you know, we sometimes give people a hard time if they have three or four kids or five. And we, but that's really a blessing. Amen. Psalm 127, blesses the man whose quiver is full. That's, that's something about, so I say to Trey, yo, have, have ten. Have a full quiver. That's a, a blessing of the Lord. It's a good thing. Uh, did y'all know marriage rates are down? Listen to this. In 1960, 72% of adults, 72% of adults over 18 were married. In 2018, less than 50% of adults over 18 are married. The median age for getting married in 1960 was 21.5. Some of you got married a lot earlier than that, but the median age was 21.5. The median age... For getting married in 2018 is 28.8. Now, listen, there's nothing wrong with, with uh, singleness. Uh, Paul writes about that, and it says, really, you have some advantages in your service to the Lord. Uh, so I don't want to diminish singleness, but I want to say this. Marriage is a good thing. And, uh, you know, Paul warns in, in 1 Timothy 4.3 that uh, he talks about false teachers coming into the church. And, and one of the things that false teachers do is they forbid marriage. Maybe they're going to come in and, and say that marriage is outdated. And you know, there are many people in our culture today, they say that marriage is outdated, it's an inconvenience, it inhibits our freedoms, it ties us down, it's unnecessary. Listen, church, that is so far from the truth. 
We need marriage. We need it for society. We need it for families. We need it for our health. Listen, we need it for our church. We, we need marriages. Now, I'm married to a, a teacher. You, you ask our teachers who suffers most from the breakdown of marriage, and they'll tell you it's the kids. Our kids need strong marriages. And so, uh, since marriage was established by God, I think it would be well worth our time to consider some things that the Bible says about marriage. There's a lot. Uh, just a few things. First of all, marriage is to be honored. Marriage is to be honored. Hebrews 13, 4, let marriage be held in honor amongst all. That's, that's to the church. We've got to honor marriage. We've got to stand for marriage. We've got to teach what the Bible teaches about marriage. Marriage is not honored when we try to redefine it. God established marriage, one man, one woman, for a lifetime. Here it is right here, which is from Genesis. But uh, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. That's God's design. We ought to honor that. Secondly, marriage is to be kept holy. Hebrews 13, 4 not only says his marriage is to be honored, but it goes on to say, And let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. And so I want to encourage purity in marriage. And, and I, I maybe want to speak to our young people for just a, a few moments. Uh, purity is one of the greatest gifts that you can ever give your partner. And so I want to challenge our young people to, to keep yourself pure, to, to treat your body as the temple that, that God has given you. And, and listen, when you get married and, and you go on your honeymoon, you don't want to have a honeymoon that's just business as usual. Listen, when you get married and go on your honeymoon, that should be one of the most exciting, God-honoring times. Uh, it's an opportunity for a man and woman to come together and to present themselves to each other as a gift. You ever think about that picture? On your honeymoon, you're able to present yourself to your partner as a gift. And really, sexual intimacy is, I, I believe it's God's wedding gift to a couple. You ever think about that? Sexual intimacy in the bonds of marriage is God's gift to a couple. And, and I recognize, I recognize that purity and chastity has kind of gone out of style. Sometimes even in the church. But it's not been erased from God's word. And so let me, let me speak to the ladies for just a moment, especially young ladies. Let me just ask our young ladies, will you save yourself for that special man? Will you save yourself for that special man? Will you stick to your standards? Will you wait for the right man? Will you keep yourself holy and pure? If you'll do that, I'll tell you what happened. I, I've not been to a wedding in this church. I, I like weddings in churches. I think that's a good place for them. But there's some cool venues out there, and I understand that. But listen, here's what happens. If, you, if you'll do that one day, those doors back there will open, and there you'll stand with your father and your mother. She'll stand up, and this whole crowd of people will stand up together, and your father will march you down this aisle, and he'll present you to a man that he has prayed for years for. You with me? And your friends and family, they'll be excited for you. And you'll be able to present yourself to your husband on your wedding night. It's a beautiful picture. That's God's design. Will you do that? And guys, let me talk to the guys for a minute. Listen, what our generation needs is we need a few men who will stand up to the plate and say, No, not yet. Not until we get married. 
Now, you might be here and say, well, why would I say that? I'll tell you why. Because you're a man of integrity who wants to glorify God. Amen? Anybody want to glorify? I mean, that what we were created for? And He has given us a means to do that? And listen, guys and gals, if you'll do that, you will enter one of the most, ble- the most blessed, wonderful relationship this side of heaven. If you do it right. If you do it God's way. And I'll just, I'll be blunt with you. Uh, you know, sometimes some couples think, well, just because the Christians are not going to have the same. Yeah, there's an enemy. He wants to take you down. wants to steal your purity. And there are people that think they go to Christian college and they won't have the temptations. Very few of them graduate with the purity. There is an enemy. He wants you to fall. In premarital counseling, I, I go over and over. I warn couples to take heed lest they fall. Put... Put some boundaries in your life. Guard your eyes and your heart and your mind. Listen, we watch movies and TV and social media and we see erotic dancing and modesty is gone and, and our sensitivities have been dulled. We stand so close to the fire, we don't even notice that our body's about to burn. It's all around us. We've got to be careful. Paul warned Timothy in, in 2 Timothy 2.22, he said, flee youthful lust. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 6.18, flee sexual immorality. Listen to me, young people especially, I want to exhort you to flee sexual immorality. I don't care what the culture is doing. Listen to married couples. Some of you in this room may be battling some sexual temptation. I want to exhort you to flee sexual immorality. Let me add a piece of advice, maybe maybe in hindsight, but be, be careful being alone. No, no matter how strong you may think you are in regards to purity, listen, be careful being alone. Be out there in the public. Be somewhere where your parents or someone else can check on you. And you'll say, why? Because Romans 13, 14 says, Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provisions for the flesh to gratify its desires. Our flesh wants those things. We've got to make sure we're not making provisions for the flesh. So marriage is to be honored, it's to be kept holy. Thirdly, marriage is to be enjoyed. I love being married. Anybody, there's one amen. I highly recommend marriage. My wife's not even in here, but listen, marriage is a relationship where we can give ourselves to one another emotionally, physically, and and I'll just go ahead and say the physical nature of marriage is to be enjoyed. And listen, it's not comfortable for a preacher to talk about sex. But that's mainly because our culture has hijacked sexual intimacy and made it something shameful and nasty. Well, it was given to us by God. He gave sexual intimacy as a gift to be enjoyed within the bonds of marriage. And when we enjoy it God's way, it's a beautiful thing. Amen? Proverbs 5, 18 and 19. I'll give you some scripture. Let your fountain be blessed. Rejoice in the wife of your youth, a lovely deer. A graceful doe, let her breast fill you at all times with delight. Be intoxicated always in her love. Now, that's sexual. But we're talking about within the bonds of marriage. And when we do, it's okay. Several years ago, I I preached a sermon in the Song of Solomon. And I had a a fellow come by and kind of embarrassed him. And he tried to rebuke me. And I'm like, I'm not going to receive that. Because what I've preached was straight from the Word of God. If you don't like it, take it up with God. He wrote it. 
Listen, I'm a preacher. I'm going to preach the whole counsel of God, and, and God wants us to know His design for it. And I'm going to announce that marriage is a good thing, and the physical aspect of marriage is given to us by our Creator and is to be enjoyed within the bonds of marriage. Listen, I, I, I've talked to couples that had sexual difficulties early on in the marriage, and they just gave up on it. Listen, that's not healthy. The enemy will use that. Listen, you get help. Medical help, spiritual help. Get help. Come see me. I wanna, I, I'll help you. We'll do something. But God gave us that to be enjoyed within the bonds of marriage. And so, uh, thirdly, I want to cut a little bit here. Marriage was endorsed by God. You know where Jesus did his first miracle was at a wedding. That, that says a little bit. Uh, but let me just, if you want to look to Matthew chapter 19. Jesus was asked about marriage and divorce, and really he was given an opportunity to, to change some things. If he, it, so here's what happens. A Pharisee came to him, verse 3, Matthew 19, 3. A Pharisee came up to him and tested him by asking, Is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? And he answered, Have you not read that he created them from the beginning, made them male and female? Now that's another sermon, but God did create male and female. That's part of the design. We, we ought not change it. God created it. That's part of the design. We have a creator. We're under his authority. That's another sermon, so I'll get off. But verse, verse 5, and he said, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother, hold fast to his wife. The two shall become one flesh. They're no longer two, but one flesh. What, therefore God has joined together. Let no man separate. And so here, Jesus was given an opportunity to undermine marriage, to redefine marriage, and instead he honored and exalted marriage. He takes us right back to the beginning, takes us back to Genesis 2. He, he highlights the fact that God is the one who gave us marriage. It is a gift from God, one man for one woman. That's the original design. And so, church, we got to be careful uh, trying to redefine or even to water down what God has established and endorsed since the creation Fourthly, marriage is regulated by God. Now, our, our culture, they don't like any regulations on anything, especially not on marriages, but it's appropriate. It's, it's beneficial even for, uh, we need all the help we can get. And so, thankfully, God has given us some guidelines uh, for us in our marriages. Now, would you agree that God knows best for our marriages? If He created it, yes, He, he knows best. And so he lovingly and gracious gave us some instructions, some guidelines to help us in, uh, in premarital counseling. I, I just tell people, listen, it, this is hard. It's going to be hard, but it's even harder when we try to do it our way instead of God's way. And thankfully, God has given us some instructions to help us. Let me just share a few of God's instructions about marriage. I can't get them all this morning, but the first one is marriage is, should be in the Lord. Marriage should be in the Lord. Back in Bible, Bible times, and even in many parts of the world today, marriages are arranged. And we don't understand that. We don't arrange our marriages. We go find who we want to marry, and we marry them. But uh, even in India, in January, Pastor John was telling me how his marriage was arranged. But uh, let me just highlight a, a few key points. L scriptures are not silent in regards to who we are to marry. You say, what do you mean, not silent? 2 Corinthians 6.14, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Now, I've had this conversation. I've got two young kids, and, but I've done lots of premarital counseling, and believers are not to marry unbelievers. 
Uh, that, if you look that verse up, there's not a question mark at the end of that. Do not be unequally yoked to unbelievers. It's not a question mark. There's a period. It's an imperative. Now, there's a, question that the, there's a question that follows what partnership or what fellowship has light with darkness, and the answer is that's none. And so you should be married to a believer. You know, I've done premarital counseling, and I've tried to talk people out of getting married sometimes. And I'm, listen, I, I, I'm a pastor. I, I'm going to do what God's Word says. If you're a believer and you try to marry an unbeliever, then I don't, I'm not going to officiate that because that would be helping you sin. Now, nobody wants your pastor to help you sin, do you? And so here's what I encourage young people, to be running towards Jesus. And as you're running towards Jesus, if you notice someone else that's going in that same trajectory, then that might be the person that you should pursue. Amen? Don't be out there. I mean, wait on the Lord. He's got someone for you probably. Be going towards Jesus. Make that the ambition of your life. And another warning that I give is, is listen, if you marry someone against your parents' will or, or without their approval, you are playing a dangerous game with God. Particularly if your mom and dad are followers of Jesus. And you say, what do you mean, preacher? Listen, God has put your parents in positions of authority over you. And before you violate that authority, you better be, I mean, quadruply sure that you're doing the right thing. It, listen, it's wise to listen to counsel to the counsel of those who love you the most. And I'm a little bit passionate about this because I've had this conversation with people before. They're like, they don't care what their mom and dad, listen, your mom and dad loves you. They want the best for you. It is wise for you to listen to their counsel. Proverbs eleven fourteen: where there is no guidance, people fall. But in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. And so listen, young people, will you, Willingly receive counsel from your parents and for those who love you the most. Secondly, marriage requires mutual efforts. Listen, marriage is not a passive relationship. Amen? A good, God-honoring marriage requires work on both parts, the husband and the wife. And so we come to a passage like Ephesians 5, and, and God gives instructions. Let me point out verse 21. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. That, that verse is so important. Sometimes we start at verse 22, but verse 21 says to submit to one another. My experience in marriage is that that verse right there solves most of the problems. Submit to one another. Consider one another. Look out for one another. Submit to one another. Then it gets into responsibilities for wives. Verse 22, uh, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. The end of verse 33, have reverence and respect for your husbands. Uh, there's some things that wives are to do. And in husbands, we, we get a whole bunch of verses. 25 through 28 tells us about sacrificially loving our wives, caring about their good. There, there's a bunch of instructions there for men. And so men are to display the sacrificial love of Christ to their wives in how we love and serve and provide for our wives. The men usually need the most help here. And so I got... Uh, an article from Danny Akins, uh, Seven Ways uh, That Men Can Bless Their Wives. Uh, I'll let you write these down quickly if you want to. I, I wrote them down. I, I hated to read these in the first service. but uh, Number one, be a spiritual leader. Men, take the initiative in cultivating a spiritual environment in your family. Listen, men, your wives want you to be the spiritual leaders of their homes. They might not tell you that. 
but it's part of God's design. He created it that way. He wants you to lead. There's some wives here just wanting to elbow their husbands. I can see it. Number two, give your wife affirmation and appreciation. Listen, man, praise your wife for their attributes and their qualities. Most of us married up. Tell them that. Number three, show personal affection. There's a word for that. It's called romance. Some of us aren't very good at it. God help us. But, but romance our wives. Give them cards and flowers and gifts and, and courtesies. Number four, initiate intimate conversation. If my wife was here, she'd elmo me here. Listen to your wives. They, they don't want you to fix it. They want you to listen to them. They like you to listen. Any man not good at that? I, I want to fix it, don't you? I want to cut to the chase, but no, listen. Initiate intimate conversation. Listen, you want some brownie points? Number four, initiate intimate conversation. Number five, always be honest and open. Man, we want our wives to trust us and feel secure with us. Number six, provide support and stability. Man, we're to protect our wives, provide for our wives. Listen, some of us men need to quit whining when things go tough. It's going to be tough. Man up. Get back to work. Find the right job. Number seven, demonstrate faithful commitment. I mean, commit your time and energy to the spiritual well-being of your family. And it takes time and energy. It's easier. Listen, I know, I, I know by bad experience, it's easier just to go home and sit on the couch and turn on the TV. It's easier. You're tired. It's harder to invest in the kids and, and read the scriptures together and pray together, but that's honoring to the Lord. And so, men, are you putting in the effort to have a blessed marriage? And, and ladies, I'm not going to let you off that easy. I mean, are you putting in the effort to have a, a blessed marriage? It takes both. It takes mutual efforts. I mean, some people say it's 50-50. No, it's 100% and don't keep score. You want to have a blessed marriage, you give and give and never keep score. We, we are bad scorekeepers. We give more points for what we do and less for what... Listen, don't keep score. Just give yourself. Number three, lastly, marriage is to be permanent. We know this. God gave us marriage for our good. God hates divorce. We, we see that in several passages. Malachi 2.16 says, For the man who does not love his wife but divorces her, says the Lord, the, the God of Israel covers his God. Man, it says that God hates divorce. Mark 10.9 says, What God has joined together, let no man separate. We, and we know that God wants marriage to be permanent, and, and yet I know, looking out here, that many of you have been through the terrible heartache of divorce. Some of you filled out papers for me and told me about difficult marriages. And, and listen, I don't, I don't have any desire to pour salt in any of your wounds. I want to tell you God's gracious, God forgives, God restores. Divorce is not the unpardonable sin. Shame on preachers who act like it is. It's not the unpardonable sin. We know that God's gracious towards sin. I want you to know that. Before we close, I'm just going to, I'm going to end with this. Uh, my ministry experience with marriages, and I think most of my pastor friends would say the same thing. What I hear so often is, is something that goes along these lines. I know that God hates divorce, and not a period there, but a comma. I know God hates divorce, but I just don't love Him anymore. I know God hates divorce, comma, but I just don't love her anymore. 
I know God hates divorce, comma, but I, I'm just not happy. Now, I can't tell you how many times I've heard that. And listen, I want you to go back to Genesis 3 for just a moment. Do you remember the, the serpent told, Lee, uh, told Eve a big lie? He said, you can eat of that and you surely won't die, but your eyes will be open and you'll be like God. Listen, I want you to know there's an enemy out there and he's a, he's a big liar. Don't, don't buy into his lies. The world is telling husbands and wives today that, that this God just wants you to be happy. And I, God's not opposed to your happiness. He just wants you to find it in the right place. But more than being happy, God wants you to be obedient. Listen, if we want to have strong marriages, we've got to stop buying the lies of the enemy. Loving your spouse, working for our marriage isn't about our feelings. It's not about our conveniences. It's about our obedience. You with me? It's not about how we feel. It's about being obedient. Listen, God's more concerned about our holiness than he is our happiness. And so husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And you realize that if you don't do that, it's sin. But preacher, you don't know. To know to do right and not to do it is sin. The Bible says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church, and not to do it is sin. And so, listen, by and large, what we, we need to spend more time repenting and asking God to help us than we do excusing our sinful choices. And so we, wanna, we want strong marriages. It takes lots of help from God, uh, but He offers that help through His Word and through His Spirit. And so let's pray and ask God to help us in this area. Father, forgive me, there's so much more about marriage that I should have said today, and I thank you for marriage, thank you for my wife, Jenny, and thank you for the marriages in this church, and we, we acknowledge some things today, we're sinners, Lord, as a husband, I'm selfish, lazy, sometimes I'm mean-spirited, and oh, Lord, you know, and so we ask this morning that you give us lots of grace to, to follow your instructions. For the husbands, help us to love our wives sacrificially. Help us to be good communicators with them. Help us to appreciate them. And Lord, help us to keep ourselves pure. Guard us from temptation. Deliver us from that evil. Father, I, I pray. I, I just pray with a special burden today for the men that are gathered here this morning that you would give them the energy to invest in their marriages, to be the spiritual leaders of their homes. Lord, I I know men are so important in marriages. I, I pray for the men sitting here today. We need your help. Father, as a church, may we look to your instructions and find help. Father, we invite you to do some, some miraculous things here this morning. There, there may be some marriages here that are at the point of, we might think no return, but not with you. Lord, you're mighty to Restore marriages. I've seen you do that so many times. I, I pray you would restore some that are here this morning. Lord, I pray that there might be some that need some encouragement. And, and Lord, some need to be strengthened. And I, I just pray you would provide everything that's needed this morning. You know exactly what we need this morning. Would you provide that for our marriages? We just thank you in advance for that. Help us as a church to know how to minister to marriages. And then, Father... Before we start this invitation, I, I pray that you would.
would just remind us of how much Jesus loved us. Even when we were sinners, Jesus would come and die for us. And Lord, if there's a person here that's never responded to your love, I, I pray this morning that they turn from their sins and come to Jesus in faith and be saved. Be united with Christ forever. Will you save some this morning? We've celebrated baptism this morning. Maybe some others that need to be baptized. But if they need to be saved this morning, we pray that they would do that. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, we'll have an invitation. Would you stand? and Listen, uh, first service, I invited couples. If you want to come and pray, you, you can pray there at your seat. Or Listen, you might want to come up here. I, I need lots of help. I, it's like prayer. I, you, sometimes you think, well, the preacher's got that figured out. No. I'm sure I ain't got marriage figured out. If you want to come and pray with your spouse, just God's help, I invite you to do that. If, you, if you're single this morning and just want to pray for patience as you wait for the right man or woman, I, listen, God's got someone for you probably, so pray for patience there. And if you're not saved this morning, listen, on the cross, Jesus allowed them to drive nails in his hands. That's really kind of a picture of how much he loves you. That he would take your sin. He's declared his love for you on the cross. Do you, do you love him? Would you trust him with your life today? Love for you to be saved. Love to talk to you about that. You respond this morning. If you want to remember the Lord's love by observing the Lord's Supper, we invite you to do that. You respond this morning.